You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We cap off our two-part series looking at Winnipeg Jets' trade targets, by taking a peek throughout the Western Conference. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. And away we go. Hope you guys enjoy the first part of our trade target series in our previous episode, looking at names for Chevy and company out in the Eastern Conference. Now we'll keep things a little closer to home and dive into some options right here in the Western Conference. A quick reminder, these episodes have been pre-recorded, so apologies if any info is slightly dated. And also, I tried to keep things a little realistic, aka players that would be good fits for the Jets and could also be available for one reason or another. So, again, we'll start in alphabetical team order. And the first team up is actually one of the most interesting two teams on my entire list. And they might win 20 games next year. (laughs) I'm talking, of course, about the Arizona Coyotes. And they're interesting for a number of different options because they have all three of kind of the main pieces that Winnipeg Jets would be looking for this upcoming offseason. And that would be a potential top pair defenseman. That would be some beef and added production inside their top nine. And then, of course, we can't talk about the Arizona Coyotes without mentioning they're oodles and oodles of cap space. Right now, the Coyotes are up to $33 million in cap space and some open positions as well on their blue line right now. Interesting. I wonder if that's a fit with what the Winnipeg Jets have to offer. But right now, the Arizona Coyotes only have Jacob Chikrin and Shane Gostisbehere making over a million dollars. In fact, they're the only two defensemen that are not on ELCs on the Arizona Coyotes blue line as we speak. So yeah, there's a bit of room for the Desert Dogs to potentially add a high-priced veteran on their blue line there. And so we mentioned it in our episode a little while back about what could the Jets do with their newfound first-round pick. And maybe that or one of their other picks could be used as a sweetener for a team to take on Nate Schmidt and his $5.9 million salary. The Arizona Coyotes... Like the Buffalo Sabres we mentioned in our previous episode, 
do set themselves up to be a really, really nice fit for that. Now, again, the question is going to be, can the Winnipeg Jets convince Nate Schmidt to waive his no-trade clause once again to join a team that is not going to be anywhere near contending anytime soon like the Sabres and like the Coyotes there? That's that's a problem that Kevin Chevalier is going to have to figure out. That That's that's not on me. It's going to be up to, up to the Winnipeg Jets press to see if they can find a way to do that. But if they can, Arizona certainly represents a perfect landing spot to make that happen. And maybe even more so because there's a decent chance that those two defensemen right now on Arizona's roster that make over a million dollars could be down to one before we get halfway through the offseason. And obviously that's because Jacob Chikrin has been one of, if not the hottest name on the trade market for almost a calendar year right now. I mean, he's just, he's been dangled nonstop by the Arizona Coyotes, and it feels like if, not when, eventually he's going to be moved up on out of there. And and look, we we spent an entire episode on this during the regular season when this news came out, and and should the Jets be in the bidding, should they give up a a big package, give up somebody like a Vili Hainala or or a Sandberg or a Chisholm or whoever it might be. And my ultimate opinion on this was... Look, the Winnipeg Jets should 100% be all in on a guy like Jacob Chikrin. That's not to say Chikrin is a guaranteed stud number one defenseman. But if you listen to our previous episode, looking at the names out east, there really isn't that no doubt about it guaranteed guy out there right now. You're going to have to take a bit of a leap of faith on some of the names that are available. And... If you're taking a leap of faith, then maybe it should be on a guy that is only 24 years old, is a former high draft pick in the first round, has a high pedigree, dad played in the NHL, led defenseman in goal scoring one season, and has done so on one of the worst teams in all of hockey. Imagine what he could do if given a little bit of help and and a better supporting cast around him. I'll, I'll take my chances with a guy like that. So... Again, I am going to be very, very aggressive if I'm Kevin Chevaldeoff in trying to find a high-end defenseman this offseason. And if it's a 24-year-old Jacob Chikrin who's coming off an offseason, but he makes five or $4.6 million for the next three years, and I can slot him beside a guy like Josh Morrissey as my team's top pairing, I'm willing to take that risk. And if it costs me Billy Hanel in a trade package as well, then, then that's the cost that I would be willing to pay. In my opinion, the Winnipeg Jets should be all over a guy like Jacob Trickin, and they should find themselves up near the top of the sweepstakes. It wouldn't be for a lack of assets. It would be for a lack of trying. Now, the final name there is another one that's been dangled for a little while by the Arizona Coyotes, similar to Jacob Chikrin, but not as impactful on the ice. But I mentioned Arizona's got a top-end defenseman, they've got some cap space, and they've got a potential top nine forward, not even a potential top nine forward. I think this guy has proven that he can be at the very least that option for you, but maybe there's even a little bit more out of a guy like Lawson Krauss. Now, the danger with somebody like Lawson Krauss is you do wonder if he's maybe a little bit overrated by by GMs because they look at the, the overall package that he brings as opposed to his 
production out there on the ice, right? When you're talking about, what is he, 6'4", 220 out there on the wing and he skates really well and he's got some skill. That's obviously going to catch the eyes of a lot of people. But has he necessarily produced as a high-end guy? Well, well, to date so far, he has not done that. But even last season, you know, 34 points in 65 games, that's some pretty, some, some pretty good production, right? You can live with that anywhere inside your top nine. But I, I do wonder if maybe there's a little bit of unlocking to be done if he's placed on a line opposite Cal Connor or Nikolai Ehlers, right? The same, the same sort of mold that I mentioned in our last episode with a guy like Josh Anderson out there in Montreal. The nice part with Lawson Krauss is that cap-wise, he's not going to cost as much as, as Josh Anderson would. Lawson Krauss, 24 years old, RFA, yet to negotiate his new deal just yet. So it's up in the air as to what he could get. But I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like that in Winnipeg. The only issue is it's going to come down to how hefty is that price tag because it did sound like Arizona was asking for a lot out of a guy that has yet to prove he's a legitimate top six option. For sure top nine, but can he be a little bit higher than that? So Arizona... Arizona is a big, big time name to keep an eye out with all the assets that they have on the table there. And hey, maybe, maybe if we know Chevy likes to go the blockbuster route. How about a blockbuster package centered around Jacob Chikrin, Lawson Krause, involving, I mean, God knows what going the other way. Hanala, cap space, draft picks, nature, all, all that stuff. Dare to dream. Maybe, maybe there's a way that Chevy can make all that happen, but... I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll take Jacob Chikrin coming out of Arizona, and you don't need to add a whole lot coming my way. But I, I'm really intrigued to see what the Coyotes do this offseason. Would love to see Winnipeg be a part of that. The next team we'll go to is maybe the second best team in the Western Conference this past season, and that would be the Calgary Flames. Now, this is more of a call-about option for Kevin Chevaldeoff. Just Just checking in to see what's going on here but maybe not some names that are going to be available. And and that would be, I mean, really the first one would be Matthew Kachuk. And a lot of people might say, well, yeah, obviously you call Calgary about that and, and see what could happen there. But the reason why there's potential of Calgary moving on from somebody as young and skilled as a guy like Matthew Kachuk is, is twofold. Is, is one, if they're able to lure Johnny Gaudreau back and sign him to a long-term big money deal, all of a sudden the Calgary Flames don't have a ton of cap space to work with to build out the rest of their roster. I mean, they've got six forwards signed for next season, and that's it. They've got four defensemen signed for next season, and that's it. Like, there's a lot of pieces that needed to be added out there in Calgary, and if Johnny Gaudreau comes back, hey, maybe the Calgary Flames look to move on from a guy like Matthew Kachuk or even a guy like Andrew Mangiapane, who's also an RFA this upcoming offseason. The reason why Kachuk is maybe more of a name to keep an eye on than a guy like Andrew Mangiapane is just that Matthew Kachuk's qualifying offer is so freaking big. <laughs> because on his last deal, he was making $7 million. But at the end of his final year... $9 million in total salary came his way. And I may be wrong, but I, I've, I listen to people a lot smarter than me on this. I do believe that a qualifying offer for Matthew Kachuk has to be a minimum of $9 million this upcoming year. And, and it just presents a tricky salary cap situation here. So again, 
I don't really anticipate him being moved, but there's been a little bit of smoke around his name, enough for me just to, to keep my tabs on on the Calgary Flames, and, and maybe, just maybe, you could bring Matthew Kachuk back into the fold. And hey, maybe the Winnipeg Jets can just grab the entire, what was it, the, the entire 2016 NHL draft, just bring all those players over to here to Winnipeg at some point, because we're going to mention another one of those players in just a little bit here. Moving on from Calgary, though, we go out to the Central Division for the first time, and we'll visit in with Chicago, a name that has been bandied about for well over a year now, has been Dylan Strom. And Dylan Strom, he is a real, real tough guy to get a read on, isn't he? Like, I I don't know if anybody knows exactly what kind of a player he both is and is going to become as well on top of it. And he's been, I mean, he's been thrown all over the place by, by Chicago since he's been acquired there, right? He's been... Their number one center with Taves out, playing beside Patrick Kane, putting up big points. He's been on the fourth line, playing no minutes at the beginning of this past season. And then he's been thrown right back up there with the guys like Alex Tabrinkat. And, and what it all amounts to, you know, even last season, a guy that put up 48 points in 69 games. A guy that, you know, just a few years ago was just about a point of game player with the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Like, there's quite clearly a lot of offense out of a guy like Dylan Strome, yet you don't really know what his future entails out there in Chicago. It's surprisingly a team that, you know, is a little bit closer to the cap than they might like. They don't have any goalie signed for next season as well, and a ton of spots to, to replace on their roster here. And, you know, once it all comes down, maybe not a ton of cap space to get all of that done which is why maybe the Winnipeg Jets could take a bit of a flyer on somebody like Dylan Strom. You wonder, too, how how high the cost would be, what the acquisition cost would be like for a guy like Dylan Strom, who's been, I don't know, maybe treated a little bit unfairly by Chicago. Maybe the team doesn't view him all that highly. I just picture a situation where, let's just say, for example, the Winnipeg Jets keep Mark Shifley in the fold for next season. But down the middle... You could run a center lineup of Shifley, Dubois, Strom, and Adam Lowry. That is a really tantalizing option. And, and whoever you want to call third line, fourth line, center, all that stuff. Dylan Strom, I think, would slot really, really well on a contending team as their third line center. As kind of the final piece inside that top nine. And even if you do move on from Mark Shifley, for example, and you're able to get another centerman in the fold... Dylan Strom wouldn't be a nice, he'd be a pretty good insurance option down the middle for you. And he's only 25 years old. And you get the sense that, hey, maybe there's another step for this kid to take offensively. And he could be a really, really sneaky good buy low option. And you see the stock explode in the future, but maybe even this upcoming season as well. So Dylan Strom is a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing the Winnipeg Jets take a run at from Chicago. We'll get to some of the other names on this list. Young old, shocking, all that stuff in just a sec. But before we do that, do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NHL with the big time deal on the table for you. With the playoffs winding down, you can still win big. A $5 bet on any team to win gets you $100 in free bets, win or lose. It's that simple. Plus... If you're looking to turn a small bet into another big payday, 
DraftKings same game parlays gives you that opportunity, combining multiple bets together to earn your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. All right, let's keep it going here, and we'll continue our trek through the Western Conference. We mentioned Calgary earlier. Let's go to the provincial rival out there in Edmonton with a look at the Oilers. And I mentioned the 2016 draft. Matthew Kachuk, Line, Dubois, Austin Matthews is a free agent in a couple of years. But the reason I bring up the Edmonton Oilers is maybe there's a potential fit for Jesse Pugliarvi right here in Winnipeg. Because for whatever reason, it seems like Edmonton Oilers management isn't overly thrilled with the play of Pugliarvi, especially with, you know, where they took him in the draft a few years ago. He hasn't obviously quite lived up to those expectations, but he's he's, a, he's an effective player, right? Like he's, while the goals certainly weren't going in for him this past postseason run, he still does a lot of things that can help a team win. And he does a lot of the things that the Winnipeg Jets struggle with up front. A lot of the dirty work, getting into the hard areas, playing some solid defense as well. He's got some good size on him. I, I think I think Pugliarvi wouldn't be a bad fit here in Winnipeg as long as, as, long as you're realistic with what role he's going to play on your team, right? Like I think if, and, and maybe this is why Edmonton is a little more down on him than maybe they should be, is just that if you think he's a top six guy, I don't see him in that role. If he's going to be a complimentary winger or somebody that can somebody that can crash and bang and maybe give you a little offensive punch on a third line, that that I think is his his preferred role. That's where I think he can he could excel at at the NHL level right now. I, I just I don't think there's an impact player waiting to burst out there anymore, but he could still be a solid complimentary piece on a contending team. And I, I did see this trade proposal thrown out there maybe in jest but hey maybe there's something to be said about Logan Stanley for Jesse Pugliarvi one for one I I I don't know I think it was at Winnipeg Chief that that made that trade proposal that I saw on Twitter I I don't think that would be enough again maybe it was a tongue-in-cheek comment but hey maybe Ken Allen likes a six foot seven defenseman that's young and cost controlled in Logan Stanley either way if Pugliarvi is on the trade block Depending on what the price is, I think the Winnipeg Jets should at least look into that option because while it's not the prettiest, he could still be a pretty effective player for you. From Edmonton, we'll continue into the Pacific Division with a few more teams. Actually, every team moving forward is in the Pacific Division. Not really a whole lot of trade candidates for the Winnipeg Jets in the Central, but we'll look at the rest of the teams in the Pacific Division, beginning with the LA Kings. And just like last episode when we talked about Marty Nikash again, I'm going to bring up Quinton Byfield's name once again into the conversation. Again, this would be solely if Mark Scheifele was on the trade block. And this would really, again, be solely if the LA Kings are ready to get insanely aggressive. They're a really, really interesting team to look at right now because they've got a ton of cap space, $20 million. A lot of their roster is locked up right now. They're a team that has some young pieces, 
and might look to take the next step after maybe surprisingly reaching the postseason this past year. And one way to do that would be adding a guy like Mark Shifley, obviously. Now, are they willing to get so aggressive they give up on the second pick of the draft? Who's not even 20 years old yet. That I don't know. And, and maybe it's wishful thinking from the Winnipeg Jets side of things. Either way, if you're looking to move on from Mark Shifley, to me, Quinton Byfield would be the number one trade piece that would be available. We know that LA was pretty far into conversations on Jack Eichel. I have to imagine that if Mark Shifley is available, they would certainly be in that conversation and be super aggressive in trying to make that happen. I, just, I, I think the world of Quinton Byfield. I, I think he's a superstar waiting to happen. If it was up to me, I, I, I probably would have picked Byfield over Lafreniere in the draft a few years ago, but I think he still has the potential to definitely be the best player out of that draft class. That would be kind of the dream scenario, in my opinion, if the Winnipeg Jets were able to snag him out of L.A., even if it did cost you a guy like Mark Shifley. From L.A., we'll stick in California, and I don't know if people are going to be really happy about this one. I don't know if this is necessarily a trade target, but I, I think it's such an interesting conversation that I, I just I really want to bring it up here. And that would be the San Jose Sharks. And we know that the Winnipeg Jets, in my opinion, have a major pressing need for a number one defenseman. Well, the Sharks have guys that used to be that. Are they still that right now? I don't know. But I think we should at least talk about the possibility of somebody like either Brent Burns or Eric Carlson coming over to Winnipeg. Would, would you be willing to do that as a Jet fan? If, if San Jose came to the table and said, look, we're, we're entering a new era here. We're under new management. We've decided that it's time to move on from, from one of these two players at the very least. And we're putting up Brent Burns or Eric Carlson up for auction here. Would you go that route? I mean, it's a little bit different with Carlson because he's got a no, a no move and, and maybe he just doesn't want to leave San Jose, but we all know that those things can change pretty quickly if a team gets a little forceful with you and are adamant that, you know what, we don't want you here anymore. But Brent Burns is, is maybe a more realistic option there because he just has a three-team trade list that is submitted on July 1st each year for the duration of his contract. Maybe a guy that likes to hunt, likes the outdoors, wouldn't mind spending some time out here in Winnipeg. He's got three more years left on his deal at $8 million. And that would take him to age 40. 37 years old right now. So you're paying $8 million for a guy like Brent Burns, who is clearly, you know, not the Norris Trophy winner that he was a few seasons ago. But could he be, maybe... A Dustin Bufflin light player for the Winnipeg Jets, right? Like, like an absolute physical freak that could be a major force offensively still for you at this point in his career from the back end. Again, I don't know how likely this might be, but I, I, I think that it could potentially be something that's on the table. And I wonder how many Jets fans would be willing to take the plunge on an $8 million cap hit and a guy like Brent Burns. You know, who even in a bit of a down year for him last year, still put up 54 points at 82 games. So I think a lot of people are going to be angry about that, but I'd love to know the fan reaction. Would love to know your comments. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. We'll shift out from California now. 
the final Canadian team to take a look at here would be the Vancouver Canucks. And they're a really interesting team because it may be similarly built like the Winnipeg Jets where there's some high-end talent there, but they haven't quite put it all together just yet. And maybe a bigger need for depth pieces as opposed to high-end guys. But there's a trio of players that have had, to varying degrees, trade talks thrown around them over the past couple of seasons. Obviously, JT Miller was dangled out there at the trade deadline and very likely is to be dangled once again heading into this offseason. A guy that at 29 years old makes $5.25 million, said to be an upcoming UFA at the end of the season. Is Shifley for Miller a trade that could potentially work for both sides there? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. I'd be a little worried the Winnipeg Jets take it on the risk knowing Miller is a year away from unrestricted free agent status, but surprisingly, we're talking about a 100-point player. 99-point, right? But, but basically, a 100-point player in JT Miller. Uh, it's it's hard to pass up on a guy like that if he's available. And you wonder why JT Miller would even be available if you're the Vancouver Canucks, but it's quite clear that he is an option for you there, and that's somebody that clearly the Winnipeg Jets have to listen on if they can put together a decent package for him. The other name that I'll mention from the Vancouver Canucks is a much more intriguing option than, than even JT Miller, in my opinion. And that's because you have somebody who is insanely skilled and gifted offensively, has a ton of chops defensively, and is extremely young, and would be under team control for a number of years. And that would be Elias Pedersen. And it's... It's a guy that you wouldn't necessarily earmark as somebody that could be available, right? Like a team like the Canucks, you would think, hey, they want to keep him in the fold for the next 10 years. They're not looking to move on from somebody like that. But there have been a weird amount of whispers around Pedersen and his potential future in Vancouver. The contract negotiations this previous season were not extremely smooth, at times acrimonious. You wonder if there's a little bit of a little bit of distrust between player and team after the way that went down. And then you had the season that Elias Pettersson just had, which really is a disappointment, even though he put up 68 points in 80 games for the team. He was basically a no-show through the first half of the season. And and really, one of the, one of the main reasons outside of you know the coaching change as to why the Canucks missed the playoffs is just quite frankly that Pettersson wasn't producing at a high enough rate for a long time. So you just, you, you wonder what the relationship is like. Is, is anything frayed between the player and the team there? And with Jim Rutherford in the fold, with a new GM and Patrick Alvin running the ship in Vancouver, maybe that's a team that looks to get super aggressive and tries to cash in on a guy like Elias Pettersson if maybe they believe that he's not quite as hyped up and maybe he won't live up to the billing that a lot of people thought he might early on in his career. If Pedersen is available, to me, he skyrockets all the way up the list as to guys that the Winnipeg Jets need to do everything in their power to acquire. Hey, look, he's he might weigh as much as my lower body, but don't 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 fool his lack of size for a lack of compete. He is already a really really strong defensive player. 
And even with guys like Kyle Cotter and Nikolai Ehlers on this team, he might become the most skilled player that the Winnipeg Jets have if he were to transfer over to Winnipeg this offseason. It's, it's, a, it's a name that maybe is unlikely to be moved, but we've just heard so much smoke around it that I do wonder if maybe there's a little bit more to that. And when you talk about offseason blockbusters, might be the top of the pack if Elias Pettersson is made available by the Vancouver Canucks. The final team that we'll mention here, when we talk about trades, we obviously have to mention the Vegas Golden Knights. And Jack Eichel, no, obviously Jack Eichel isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But the reason why I bring up Vegas here is actually because when you look at all the teams in the NHL, that would be a club that is most at risk to an offer sheet. And the only problem with that, though, is that the Winnipeg Jets with these two names in particular, can't put together an offer sheet that I think would be enticing enough to grab the player and for the Vegas Golden Knights to pass up on that guy. The, the one that would be the most enticing out of these two is Nicholas Waugh, who's a 25-year-old centerman for the Vegas Golden Knights. Kind of a slow, late bloomer. A guy that took his time in the AHL Finally got a crack at the NHL level with the Golden Knights a year ago. Had a really good postseason, putting up 10 points in 19 games for them. And then parlayed that into 39 points in 78 games this past season. Then had himself a nice little world championship tournament for Team Canada on top of it. Obviously, Vegas would like to keep somebody like him in the fold at a low price point because... They're already well over the salary cap, right? But but it just might not be in the cards. And that's why I think a savvy team could put together an offer sheet for Nicholas Waugh at maybe $3, 4000000 million. He wouldn't mind taking the increased payday. And the team signing the offer sheet would say, hey, we're cool with giving up a second round pick for a guy that could potentially be a second line center for us. The problem with the Winnipeg Jets in that scenario is they cannot put together that offer sheet. They do not have a second-round pick. So they can't put together kind of the ideal offer sheet for somebody like Nicholas Waugh. I've always felt like teams look at offer sheets the wrong way. There's no point in offer sheeting the high-end guys because the original team is just going to match that. But it's the guys in that 3 to $4 million tier where if you can push a team out of their comfort zone, they might not have any other choice but to accept the draft pick in that situation and watch that player head out the door. Now, I still think that Waugh could be a trade target for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe they reach out to the Golden Knights and say, look, you're in trouble of losing him for a second round pick. Maybe we can offer something that's a little more palatable for you. Maybe it's a prospect that we have that you might like, right? Something along those lines. But if you're talking about a way to beef up your position down the middle, having a guy like Nicholas Waugh, 25 years old, RFA, Half a point a game, that would be a nice bottom six, right? That would be a nice bottom six center tandem to have Adam Lowry and Nicholas Waugh as your one-two punch in the bottom six down the middle there. The final name that we'll touch on here is a name that a lot of Manitobans are super familiar with. And that would be Winnipeg's own Keegan Colsar. Again, RFA for the Vegas Golden Knights. The interesting thing with him, though, is that with his production not being insanely high, 24 points in 77 games this past season for the Vegas Golden Knights, hey, maybe the Winnipeg Jets could put together an offer sheet that 
is enough to get Colesar to sign, but you don't have to give up a ton of assets and a ton of salary to get it done. For example, the Jets could offer an AAV of either $1.38 million up to $2.1 million, and it would only cost you a third-round pick to get that done. That's that's not a bad that that's not a bad way to look at it, right? If you're the Winnipeg Jets, if you can get Colsar, a guy that's just 25 years old, a big big dude that can skate like the wind, and he's got a little more skill than I think he's given credit for. Maybe that's an option for you, right? Sign him to a two million dollar AAV, and he's kind of a perfect piece. He's like a supercharged fourth line option for you. Maybe he can elevate his offensive game a little bit to be. A guy that can chip in on the third line. But I, I when people always want to see a Winnipegger or a Manitoban brought home. Keegan Colsar fits that bill, but he's also a productive and a good player on top of it. There's some guys out there that you're bringing him in just because he's a Manitoban. But Colsar wouldn't be a bad fit to come in here and give a physical presence inside that bottom six for the Winnipeg Jets. And then chip in 20-25 points, maybe even 30 on top of it all there. So what better way to cap off this episode than talking about bringing a Manitoban boy back home? And that'll do it for our mini two-part series of trade targets for the Winnipeg Jets. Would love to know your comments about the previous episode we did looking at the Eastern Conference trade targets or this one right here in the Western Conference. Was there anybody I missed? Did you love or hate any of the names that I brought up? And who are some targets that you like the Winnipeg Jets to go after right here in the Western Conference. Let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. That'll do it for this episode and that'll do it for the rest of the week here as well. We'll get right back at it. A reminder, episodes drop for Skates and Plates every Tuesday and Friday morning. And when we get back to it, more off-season talk. A look ahead to where the Winnipeg Jets might be going as the playoffs wind down and the draft and free agency inch closer and closer. Until then, though, thank you for once again listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Enjoy the summer and stay safe, everybody. Peace.